Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, September 11th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. Phone lines are open. Uh, jump in and join me. I've got a lot I could talk about today. Nothing, uh, nothing all that important, so I'd rather hear from you. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything you want to talk about today, pick up the phone and join me. Otherwise, I'll be rambling this morning. 855-950-3835. I do have some things I could talk about. Uh, do I want to get into anything too deep? Maybe I'll just recap what happened on the weekend. Wait for some calls. I've got some things. We'll, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot going on here. My, uh, my schedule for the fall has just completely changed in the last week. And things are just getting a little crazy. So I took Friday off. I will probably be taking a lot of three-day weekends between now and the end of the year. Just a, a lot going on. I'm going to need some extra time to get some things done. Uh, we've got our big trip coming up here pretty quick uh, to Nashville for the NASTIC conference. Really looking forward to that. I've got to finish my keynote. I don't do a lot of keynotes and I really need to write a good one. So I've been working on that keynote. I've got to get that finished. Uh, it looks like the property is going through. We're supposed to close uh, in less than two weeks, about 10 days, I think. We're closing. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the 21st, 10 days. That's a lot, obviously. Uh, closing down two gardens for the year, and I have to get another one planted over there. So I spent most of the weekend getting ready to move. I decided to uh, convert the grow house back to a trailer again because it will come in handy in this move. You can get a lot in there. It's a 24-foot uh, enclosed car hauler. But I basically had to rebuild that thing over the weekend. Uh, it was in pretty rough shape. It's not that old of a trailer. thinking maybe it's, oh, eight years, seven or eight years we bought it in a hurry. We were getting ready to go to a CMC that year, and I was trying to load our old trailer, and there was just no way everything was going to fit. So we had to go buy a new trailer, and we decided, well, we might as well buy a car hauler. But in a hurry, we didn't have much to pick from, and we ended up with, and I knew it was junk when I bought it. It was Forest River. It was cheap, and everything about it is just cheap. So the first thing that had to go was the front jack, the tongue jack, and I had to cut it off. It was in such bad shape. Uh, tires, they'll do. I wouldn't take them on a long trip. I had to pack the wheel bearings. So then I go, I've never pulled this with anything except the RV, and it came wired with the seven-way RV plug, and everything worked. Well, that's not true. Everything didn't work. Uh, it should have, that plug should have supplied 12-volt power for inside the trailer. The inside of the trailer has 12-volt, a 12-volt lighting system and a 110. And the 12-volt should work when you're plugged into a vehicle, and it never did. I never bothered to check it because I just didn't need it anyway. So this is the first time I went to pull it with a car that has a four-pin flat system, like a typical trailer plug. And I plug in the adapter and nothing, no lights whatsoever. So I started troubleshooting that. What a disaster. I, I can't even begin to describe how bad 
they wired this thing. You know, trailer wiring is pretty standard. We have standard colors, the four blades, pretty simple. It's only four wires. Uh, the seven adds a couple, but I can't, like I said, I can't even begin to describe. There was one wire, the yellow wire, which I think is left turn signal. There was a wire for yellow in the plug. Then there's a junction box and the yellow wire runs to a connecting clip. And then there's just no yellow wire on the other side of that clip. I don't think it ever, well, it didn't ever exist. There's no yellow wire anywhere in the trailer which was really confusing. How do you get the left turn signal to work if I don't even have a wire? And there wasn't, there were other wires, but they all looked like they were for the house electrical system, the 110. It was a bigger gauge wire and they used wire nuts on those. So that could be wired to the seven way, but shouldn't be wired to the four way. So I was getting ready to run a whole new wire harness through the trailer just to because the trailer was loaded. There was no way I was going to tear it apart to try to find a problem. And I was getting ready to just run a new wiring harness. And I thought, well, let me try some of these other wires. Sure enough, the red wire that should have been household current 110, it was a big gauge with a wire nut, was wired to the left turn signal. Once I figured that out, everything else went pretty quickly. So I just wired it that way and it's working. Uh, I don't know what I'll have to do to get a seven way to work on there again. We'll have to see. I don't know that I'll ever pull it with the RV and I don't think I would want to take it on long trips, but uh, should come in handy. The entire garden um, is loaded up into it right now for the first trip over there. Um, so between that the events, everything else we've got going on, uh, projects we're wrapping up, stuff we're launching. Uh, it's just a busy, busy time. Not complaining, but uh, I was not prepared for all this schedule change. So we'll, uh, we'll make that work. I've got a call. One of the other topics I was going to throw out there, I'll throw it out there right now. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I've been talking about the new group that I've... Uh, had some debates with on Twitter on the spaces, the NOOA, um, New Owner Operator Association. They, um, they look like they're taking the exact same path we've seen over and over and over, and it never works. It's never worked the entire time I've been in this industry, 30 plus years. All of these attempted protests, shutdowns, strikes, whatever they are. Now, I'm not talking about unions. Unions strike. They do it all the time. They're pretty effective at it. Uh, it works for them. That's how that whole system works. They don't. They can't negotiate the deal they want. They go on strike. Uh, puts more pressure on them. So I'm not talking about union strikes. I'm talking about these protests and shutdowns we've heard forever. If we stop working, people won't be able to eat in three days. We'll get whatever we want. Right. You could, except it's never going to happen. But yet people keep talking about it. They keep trying to organize these things. And I've talked in the past about why they always fail. And you, it would be very, very difficult to ever get one of these that would be successful. But if you don't even attempt to do it right, there's no way it's going to be successful. And I, here are the problems I've outlined them before. There's two groups involved with this, the, the NOOA and some other group. I don't, didn't even recognize them. No clear leader that I can see. And that's the problem. 
You get this infighting at the top. It happens every time. And there's just no clear leadership. And it takes a really, it, it would take, it's never happened. We don't know exactly what it would take, but it's going to take a very, very strong, clear leader. And I haven't seen that much. The other mistake they make is long list of demands. I I would not try more than one thing, one thing only. That would be hard enough to accomplish, but they usually have five to 10 demands that they want to see changed. Part of the problem with that is each one of those demands would be controlled by different groups or different people. So who are you protesting here? It's never clear. They never even outline who could fix their problem. And they have a bunch of demands that that is a huge mistake, probably one of the biggest mistakes they make. You know, I asked the question on Twitter and I knew what the answer was before I asked it. Has there ever been a successful trucking protest or shutdown? And I couldn't think of any. And again, non-union, not not union stuff. I couldn't think of any in the U.S. And I asked in the U.S., has there ever been? And I knew somebody was going to bring up the Canadian convoy, which I actually praised. If you remember, I got canceled over the damn thing because I supported it. It was one of the most successful I've seen. They had good leadership. As far as I can remember, they were only demanding one thing. It was about the mask mandate. Now, it didn't work, unfortunately, but it was the most successful attempt I've seen. Uh, We haven't seen anything like that here in the U.S., and I, I doubt that we will. So here I went through their list of demands and and here's part of the problem with this. The the list of demands are first off, I don't know who would address all of these things. Um all hours worked, all hours paid. No more free time waiting on the load. Begin detention pay 30 minutes after their appointment time. That's fine. Um I'm not sure who you're going to get to ever enforce that and these are owner operators. All hours worked, all hours paid. That's not how business works. It's obvious that these people should not be in business because they think like employees. All hours worked, all hours paid. I've never had that in business. My God, most of the work I do, there is no direct pay for what I do to, to keep my business in business and working. Because that's not how business works. I don't, at the end of the day, I don't get to say, well, I put in 16 hours today. Somebody's got to pay me and they've got to pay me overtime after eight or whatever. If you want that kind of pay, go be an employee. Now, I get it. The employee drivers that have to go to these places get screwed. I get that. That's a whole different issue. It's one of the reasons I don't deal with employee issues. I'm talking about owner operators. Um, The next demand, pay reflecting our work. No more cheap freight. I'm going to come back to this one because they put some minimums in here. But again, that's not how business works. That's how employees get paid. In business, every day is a new day. You have to go out and earn what you're going to get paid. No more forced driver lumper fees. Yeah, they want to get rid of the lumper system. I can't argue against that. It's a stupid system. But this isn't the way to get that changed. Uh, who's responsible for that? Who could change that system? Uh, sanitary bathroom access. Again, how, how could you argue against this? But, you know, 
the industry should take a little bit of responsibility for that one. Um, we're a part of the problem there. This one, I, I can't even imagine what anybody was thinking when they wrote this. Enact a national grievance process. Allow drivers, brokers, and shippers and receivers to initiate complaints that may be resolved via negotiation. You have got to be kidding me. Anybody with two brain cells would realize what a stupid idea this is. Think about the bullshit that drivers bitch about at docks. And then I'm pretty sure that the people on the docks bitch about stupid things with truck drivers, too. A national grievance process where a driver, a shipper, a receiver, a carrier, a broker can file a complaint and then we have to go negotiate the complaint somehow? First off, does anybody realize how big of a system that would have to be? How many shipments move every day? And who's going to, what, are we going to have judges? Is this going to be like arbitration? Is it binding? This might be the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. I can't believe they put this in writing. Now, let's go back to the pay reflecting our work, worth, worth. You're only worth the value you bring to the market. People confuse personal worth with the work you bring to a free market. I'm not talking about what any human being is worth as a human being. That's not what we're talking about here. When you want to go do something and get paid for it, you can't say pay. Well, actually, you can pay reflecting our worth. We already have a system for that. It's called the free market. You will get paid exactly equal to the value you bring to the market. If you want to get paid more, bring more value to the market. That's how this works. We already have a system. It's foolproof. The people who do the hard work, work smart and hard, get rewarded for it. The more value. How many times have I said this? It is the secret to success in business. If you want to get paid more, bring more value to your customer. But you can't step, step back and say, I demand to be paid better because I'm worth it. Well, prove it. Bring the value to the market and you'll get paid. But here's what they want for minimums. Listen to this. Um, no more cheap freight. Minimum wage for reefer trucks. Now, this is only for reefers. They're not arguing for anybody else. Including detention and load unloading times, they want $5 a mile or $300 an hour. Those are minimums. Or maybe it's just the standard rate. They're not really clear if it's a, well, they are, they are saying at least that much. Would there ever be a load that paid more than that? I don't know. I, I, because there have, ne not since 1981, there have been no regulations about charging anybody for trucking services. Trucking is a free market, just like every other industry in the country now. It wasn't prior to 1981. We got rid of that. That was a communistic, socialistic system where government controlled rates. We never, ever want to go back to that. The free market controls the rates and it works just like every other industry. To, to think we would want to give the government that kind of control over how we get paid 
I, I just don't even understand the thinking. But the bigger picture here is the amount. Now, $5 an hour and three, $5 a mile and $300 an hour. Just the average reefer, if all you did was 110,000 miles, most reefers put on a lot more than that, but it, let's call it 110,000 miles. We're not going to go real big here. And if we throw in their detention rule, which is you start getting paid after a half hour, it would not be hard to see how a one single reefer truck with a single driver could make somewhere between five and $600,000 a year. Now, even if we take off 200000 for expenses, which there's no way they would be that much, although somebody argued with me that their expenses would be $280,000. I said, wait a minute, I'm only doing 110,000 miles here. That would mean your cost per mile to run your truck was $2.55 a mile. They don't even understand numbers. They just pull them right out of their ass and spew them like they're gospel. They haven't even thought through these numbers. So even if you ran the worst operation ever, got four miles to the gallon, had a truck you never took care of, big truck payments, whatever it might be, pick the worst operation, run around at 85 miles an hour everywhere you go. I mean, make it as bad as you could possibly make it. And if you got this rate, you would still be making well over $300,000 a year. Net profit. That would put you in the top two to three percent of earners in the entire country in every industry. Engineers, attorneys, hedge fund managers, all of them. You would be in the top two to three percent. Does anybody stop and think about how ridiculous these ideas are? I, I can't imagine that anybody is ever going to take these groups seriously. And that's why nothing ever comes of all this stuff. All right, we've got a list of other things, but uh, I'm going to get to the calls. Let's, uh, let's get started in Wisconsin today. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Haven't talked to you in about three or four years. Uh-oh, what's on your mind? Will, um, I've been out of uh, trucking. Well, I'll just give you a little background about myself. I've been out of trucking for about four years now. I've been working 10 gigs and uh, making about a thousand a week, you know, then less one hundred and fifty dollars for fuel. So I'm making, you know, net about eight so a week. What kind of I've noticed? What was this work? Okay, I didn't understand what you said. Uh, gig work. I, I, oh, I got do it. Lyft, got it. Uber, okay, right. Yeah, Walmart deliveries, everything you can, everything under the sun. <laughs> yep, got it. Very familiar with all um, of that. So I mean. Yeah, hey, let me ask you r- r- real quick, that. since you've kind of, and I know sure. some other people I've talked to, you, you've sampled a bunch of them. If you had to do only one, which one did you like best or which one was the most profitable or maybe both? Uh, well, that's hard to say because none of the gigs bother me. I don't, it, you know, it doesn't matter to me what I do. As long as I'm, my, my tires are turning, and I'm making money. So Got I don't it. have a, a favorite, but okay. If I would, I guess if you really wanted to nail it down, I guess it would probably be Lyft because I got about 4,800 rides behind my belt over four years. And I only, I've only had like three bad rides in my 4,800 rides. And that's really, really that, good. That is. So, yeah. And, and I, these, and these I, things are very, I, very still, different. You know, if you look at Lyft, that's one thing. If you look at DoorDash, that's another, you're going and picking up 
prepared food usually and taking it to somebody. And then if you look at like an Instacart, you're actually going, you're a personal shopper. You're going into grocery stores and shopping for things. So we call them all the gig economy. They're pretty different. Yep. They're all, and I like each one of them. I have like about 4,500 Instacarts, 4,800 lifts. About, I just oh, nice. started doing Uber about two years ago. It's like about 700 Ubers. I got about 1,500 Walmart delivery. I, I can go on. I, yeah. I don't want to bore you with that. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. Now, which one do you think is the most yep. profitable? Were you able to tell? It was Walmart deliveries for a long time, for about two years. I couldn't. It depends on the week and the day and how much I mean. how many yeah. hours I put it's... in. But you know, I was making about seven to eight hundred on uh, doing Walmart, just Walmart deliveries. And then I would double up, like uh, in in the town that I live in. I could uh, I would pick up the WalMarts, turn the DoorDash on, and usually I could get find something <laughs> going that way. It's right, twenty or twenty five dollar a Walmart, yeah. you can turn into like another five or ten dollars with DoorDash. So, it, you know, doubling up and, and tripling. I, I want two times I did quadruples and I made like like 80 bucks in a matter of like a half an hour. Nice. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't happen very often. But yeah. the reason why I'm so successful at this is because I mm, I know you're going to hate to hear this. But I was a lease purchase driver. I learned my lesson, okay, by listening to you. I was a lease purchase driver for a company in Minnesota. I don't want to give the name out, but I had no qualms with them. I mean, I, I was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't have enough money saved up in order to get my own truck, but eventually that's the direction that I wanted to go. I just didn't know when. But so let me address that real quick. Let, let me address that real quick because sure. I talk about this a lot when people call in. Um, I have no problem with the idea of I'm going to go to a lease purchase and save a bunch of money and buy a truck. The pro- well, I do have a problem with it. Most times the people doing that are not paying attention to their numbers. They're not tracking their numbers. And what I find is they're hurting themselves. If that's their plan to save money, well, I, I, my worst case scenario, the one I talk about all the time, the guy was making 13 cents a mile in a lease purchase and he didn't realize it. <laughs> He was never going to be able to save money. I can't even believe he was eating. Well, that guy now um, has his own trucking company with his own authority and his own customers. But he was never, but had he not called, unless he figured this out on his own, he was never going to make it there. We immediately got him to cancel the lease purchase and go get the best driving job he could, making 60 some cents a mile. And then I told him, look, you're going to live on 13 cents. You've been doing it. Just keep doing it. Now you can see how fast the savings would pile up. So that that's the only problem right. I have with the lease purchase. If that's part of the plan to get you to your own truck, great. But if you're not tracking your numbers and you could be doing better just as a company driver, why would you take all this risk and work harder to make less money? And the problem with lease purchases, most people don't know how much they're making. Yeah. And that, well, they, this company that I was with, they're very popular. Um, they take care of everything for you. And, but I was actually, I made a lot, I made a decent amount of money with them. I was making after everything was said and done every year was, you know, was over 40 grand, you know, in my pocket. 
So yeah, after paying taxes, but come, come on, come on. So you know, not, 15 years ago, that was too bad. Uh, no, it's kind of awful to have that kind of risk. Uh. <laughs> think about the risk. I mean, you've got taxes you've got to pay out of that. You've, if you have a major repair, that's coming out of your pocket. That is way too much risk yeah. to make less than the average company driver. That's my point. That's why. Yeah. Why would you stick with this with all the extra work? The extra time, which means you don't have as much time to plan your business and less pay and a ton of risk. Why not just go get a decent company job that pays 60 or 70,000 a year, not have to do all the extra work, not have to take the risk. And then you have time to plan to get the business up and running. Well, my answer to that is this. I loved the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. I get that. I that get that. Here's the, that, but hold on. That, you did not have that in the lease purchase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I had free run, free reign over everything. You could, I could modify I the could truck any way you wanted. No, no, no. no I, say, the truck uh, uh, was stop, under. Uh, of course, that's my point. I understand these things. I don't make statements that aren't mm-hmm. true. You did not have control over your own business. Because the most important part of your business is that truck. It's not yours. You don't control it. You can't modify it. You're stuck with the specs. You're stuck with what they want to get fixed, even though you're paying for it. So don't fool yourself. You had no control. You had control over your dispatch, and that was it. Yeah, that that was it. Okay, that's what I – but I I love being – I have 14 years I, I get total that. driving That's, experience. I, I get that you love five, the freedom. So listen to everything I've been right. saying. I, I want to help people get to that freedom sooner to where they own their own truck. They okay. own their own business. And usually the lease purchase is not the fast way to get there. It's the long winding right. detour with all kinds of problems and challenges and setbacks and risk. And that's my point in all of this. I'd like to get people to where they want to be yeah. as quick as possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so anyway, uh, after all, you know, I, I told you about my background and everything. Um, I, I have about mm, roughly 27,000 uh, in the bank. Okay. Congratulations. That's mine. Uh, and, okay. And I was thinking about, cause I think the economy is taking like, going to take a big dump here really, really, really soon. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm looking at what the analysts say. And I, I, I noticed it in the gigs over the past month. I was making, you know, about a thousand a week. That's 150 for gas. But now I'm down to like five to 600 hey, every week. And that, I'm, that, I've been that, doing the same thing. This is a really good point. I'm glad you're bringing this up. And you have firsthand experience with all of these gig jobs, which is really gives us some insight. So everybody thinks the economy has to take a dump at some time. I mean, we, we just can't continue. This has been the longest run up. We, we've been saying it for years. There are more and more signs every month, every week. You just brought up another sign. When people start feeling the pinch, now there's plenty of work around. There's plenty of jobs. The jobs are paying pretty decent, but inflation is going through the roof. Housing costs are out of control. Energy costs are going back up again. Food costs are insane. People start dropping the extras. Now, I will tell you, Mm -hmm. I use all of these gig services. The the one I I only use when I travel like... uh, DoorDash and the food delivery, just because I'm not going to 
pay a bunch of money to have people bring me garbage food. Uh, so we don't eat out all that often. And I'm, but when I travel, I use it occasionally. Um, Instacart, when I travel, I use a lot. Use it a little bit here at the house, not much. Uh, door or uh, Lyft, I use a lot when I travel. So I'm familiar with these. They're expensive. They just are. I mean, when we think about that, you are very spoiled if you're paying somebody to bring you your groceries because it's not cheap. Uh, you know, you've got the service right. fee, you've got the tip. There's there's just all kinds of cost to this. It is very convenient, and I love it. But this is some of the first stuff that people drop when they can't afford food. They, they should not be paying these crazy high delivery fees when they're struggling with their budget. So it's the extras, the, the luxury items that go first, and having stuff brought to you as a luxury item. And, and like you say, people Absolutely. are already cutting back on that. Yep. So this is what I, now I kind of want to do this the right way this time. Good. I, tell me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me go back to that statement. Let me go back to that statement. Words are important. I listen closely. I, I, I kind of want to do it the right way. Just kind of. Well, I okay. want to do it. Right. Okay, good. Then start saying it that way. Yeah, way. don't 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 use such wishy washy language. Like, well, yeah, I think maybe this okay. time I'll try to do it sort of right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, just say just say. Look, anyway, uh, look. I, I can promise you this: there is nothing, nothing whatsoever that would stop you from doing it right. So just say. This time I'm going to well, do it right. All right. This time I am going to do it the good. right way. There we go. All right. That actually feels better. Now. Yes. Good. <laughs> okay. So I was no. I've already looked into Oida, getting my own authority, and they told let's me they not. quoted me a price somewhere around Let, let's three thousand. Let's not. Okay. Let's not get our authority in a market like this. It's too. Okay. It's too volatile. Look, I, I, this is going to come across as harsh. You still have not proven you can run a business. You've made a huge step, and I'll give you kudos for being able to save the amount of money you've saved doing gig work. That tells me you're in a lot better position to do this than you were the last time. But we yes. still, when it comes to a truck, we still haven't proven that. But let's just take a little bit of time, at least six months to a year, lease to a good carrier, just to get your feet wet. Learn how to run the truck really efficiently with expenses only because the, the revenue, you're not going to change much if you're leased to a carrier. You can focus on expenses and then then move into getting your authority when the market gets better. We could still see a, a big downturn in rates and there's so much capacity that this is going to be painful. People who are sort of doing things right are going to be in trouble because we have too many people in the market not doing things right, but they're able to hold on and they, they keep rates down. There's still a ways to go there. I think it's too risky right now for somebody that still has some risk involved. It, it, I think it's too risky to get your own authority right now. Okay. Would, would you agree to this then? Um, I was thinking, um, I really I don't care about the manufacturer of the truck, but I was thinking about mm, getting a 
getting a Freightliner or a Volvo or something like that. And with about seven or 800,000 miles, you know, it has a little bit, it depends on how it sounds and what's wrong with it and everything. I'd check it out first. But somewhere in that category, if I could oh, that's just perfect. make it to like a million, that, that, that's million miles before it's rebuilt. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And, good. and and he, this this is why I, that that's the sweet spot for a used truck about eight hundred thousand miles. You should still, as long as we do the the inspections right and we look at oil samples and some of the other things, we could easily expect these new trucks now. And, and we'd be looking at newer seven or eight hundred thousand miles. You're probably looking at you know, 17, 16, 17, 18 model year. They're pretty cheap these days. They might get a little cheaper here soon. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we can easily expect another 400,000 miles out of that truck. You've got a good three or four years before we have to worry about anything big. Now, with a Freightliner, we might have to worry about a one box. And that one's a little tougher to predict. And that one box can be expensive, 20, 25, $30,000 sometimes. So we do have to be a little Uh, concerned about a one box on a Freightliner. Um, But again, if we do the right inspections and we know what we're doing, uh, but this is, we we can get these trucks now in the $25,000, $30,000 range. And they've got three or four years of life left on them. And their expenses won't be bad if we buy the right truck. So you're thinking right about the equipment this time. Okay, cool. Um, That's, yeah, I, 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 um, it, it's just, I've been out of trucking for like four years now. I, I can jump in a truck right now and drive anything up to like a 13 speed. Cause I've never driven anything bigger than a, or larger than a 13 speed, um, automatics, 10 speeds, eight speeds, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I can jump in right now and, and right. it's very successful. It's the other factor is <laughs> company. Some companies, a lot of companies are requiring that you have six months experience in the past year. That's very common. So I'm thinking I might go, go, go get a company driver position for about six or eight months or whatever, build up enough equity to where I'm better off than I am right now. And then possibly, uh, and hopefully the truck prices will, will crash by then. And, you know, maybe I can get so, something really, really good at that time and then kind of do my own thing. So that is your safest plan. So, if you're willing to do that, okay. go get the company driver job for six months or a year till it feels right. That would be your safest way of doing this, no doubt. I do think okay. if you want to okay. skip that step and just do the hard work of finding the right truck, finding the right carrier, signing on to somebody for you know six months to a year, you could pull it off either way. The, the safer way is to get the, the driving job and get familiar with the industry again. Believe it or not, the industry's changed quite a bit in four years, just like everything oh, else in yeah. our world. COVID really, you know, changed things. And the market is very different than I've ever seen it. So it might not be a bad idea. Like I said, it would be the safest way. You can't go wrong doing that. Okay. If we, if we, if we planned everything and we did everything right, you're probably not going to go wrong getting a truck and leasing on right away either, but you can't go wrong your way. I mean, we have no risk. You go get a job, you're okay. you know, probably making more than you're making now, which means you can increase your savings. And in six months to a year of a, a good company driver job, now you can go buy your first truck cash. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the uh, your opinion. I mean, so, so now I, let, I, let's also talk I, about this. So I'm saying, if you want to buy a truck right now, you probably can. The market's in good shape. There's bargains out mm-hmm. there. There's work. Um, you could go do that, and then in six months to a year, start looking at getting your own authority. Or you could go get a good company driver job, start saving money, get your feet wet in the industry again. And you know what? In six months to a year, we could still make the step to your own authority then. Then you'd be able to skip leasing onto a carrier if you want. I I just think we need six months of not full risk right away. So if you do it this way, you're really not setting yourself back. Um, In fact, you're really setting yourself up to buy that first truck cash and really get started right. That's okay. Yeah. That sounds like the way that I want to do it then. I will definitely uh, keep you updated. Yeah. You know, um, Please let do. You know what I'd love to help you along the way. But all right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. I love it when people do things right, at least are open to doing things right. I think he's got it this time. I really do. Let's, uh, let's go to Missouri. Uh, let me hit the right button. Jerry. What's on your mind today? Hi, Kevin. I'm just living a life munching on monkey brittle without pumpkin spice nut butter, but I'll live. I think I'll get along. I got, uh, okay, I got two things on your open, I guess. Number one, uh, I'll start with a humorous part first. As you talk about trailer wiring, I got two comments on that. Number one, years ago, I had to go pick up a part out of state. I had a big passenger van that had the wiring already there at the back and the hitch on it and everything for a uh, trailer plug, and we really needed that part really really bad so i got one of my drivers i give him one i give him some cash for motel and gas and and we in about five minutes put a plug on the back of that van hooked a little flatbed trailer up and sent him down the road well there's two white wires on a passenger van one of them's for the turn signal one of them's for the brake and every time he turned one of them turn signals on he hit he was turning the brakes on the trailer oh boy (laughs) (laughs) anyway that was that was one thing and then the other thing is is you're completely wasting time wiring that trailer you need to realize now kevin that you are a farmer you do not need (laughs) any trailer lights all you need on the back of that thing is one of them oranges smv symbol and get the hell down the road don't worry about the light just let the cord dangle it doesn't matter it's funny i i thought about that (laughs) i thought you know it's uh it's like how many miles is it it's not that far it's only two lane um i'm like ah who needs lights i'm just gonna you know I, i'll even buy a couple like stick on flashers or something and just put them back there yep. and i just couldn't do it i'm like ah come on it's just wiring four wires how can you not figure this out and it was making me crazy uh-huh. until until i looked at it and thought something's wrong here on, on the seven way everything worked So all the wires that I need are in this trailer. And now the other thing I thought, I've been drilling inside this trailer and I turned it into a grow house. I thought it's highly likely that I ran a screw through a wire bundle somewhere. And I've probably got shorts and dead rounds. Right. So I'm thinking I should just run a new wire harness. And then I thought, wait a minute. All those wires are there. Something must work. And I thought, there's no way they wired this using the 110 wires in the trailer. And I thought, well, maybe there's a way. Why don't I just test it? So I did. And sure enough, there was a big heavy gauge wire with a, you know, wire nut, just like you do on household wiring. And that was what was running the left turn signal. 
<laughs> well, if you figured it out anyway, so. But now you said that, that reminded me of another story. And this about 30 years ago, I had a guy pull into my driveway that had come from completely out of state with a piece of farm equipment, and he needed to unload it. And he'd come out of state across a really narrow bridge with a piece of farm equipment on a trailer, and his taillights were two of those uh, 12-volt lanterns with a red shop towel tied over them. That was his taillights. <laughs> That's kind of what I was... So you see what you can get by with if you're a farmer? You don't have you don't need lights. Does, it, does, uh, this, does this count the other for comment, hobby farmers, too? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, good. Absolutely. No good. question about it. So you're, you're good. So All just right. get you a couple SMB symbols, and you'll be fine. There so, we go. Uh, all, and, and this is... Just an amusing, you said something on the, about the NOAA group about pulling figures out of their ass. I watched a little video on, I think it was CDL Life, about some guy lamenting again about uh, ELPs. But anyway, one thing he mentioned in there was, you know what? Two years ago before COVID, we had two million truck drivers, and today we've got four million truck drivers. We've added two million new truck drivers in the last two years. All of them new, and they don't know how to operate, and, and we just can't put them out there, and they just don't know what to do. As far as I know, three years ago or whatever we picked, we had about three million truck drivers right in the middle somewhere, depending on how you classify it. And today we have about three million truck drivers. Really didn't change all that much. We did get some influx into the industry. We talk about it all the time. That is the problem. Supply and demand. The demand has dropped and the supply hasn't changed. We do have too many drivers and too many trucks. But we didn't add two million. You mean he's wrong? Not his, <laughs> his numbers are a little oh, off. Oh, it was say. on the internet. He had I to be know. right. I know. So I, anyway, I, that was well, just an amusing uh, couple of amusing stories. So I got to go. So. Could you can you imagine an owner operator believing that their cost per mile is two dollars and fifty five cents a mile? Well, no, uh, it, it's not even possible. I could buy the most expensive, worst spec truck ever, drive it as fast as I possibly could everywhere, don't do any maintenance on it at all, and I still couldn't get to two dollars and fifty five cents a mile. It's just not possible. Well, it might be some really, really specialized high-dollar trailer just, or something if no, you had a million-dollar. No, we're talking about reefers here. It's just reefer freight. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah nothing so. special. All right, I got to drop the trailer, Kevin. All right. go, so. Get to work. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for the call. Uh, we've got lines open if you want to jump in. If not, I, I have no problem taking short days right now. Um, I have lots of stuff I can be doing. Uh, but I will stay here as long as there are questions. So jump in 855-950-3835. Let's go to Wisconsin. Keith, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? So I was wondering if you have any thoughts about retirement planning and withdrawal rates for investments. I have thoughts. Yeah, uh, lots of thoughts. So let's get specific. Give me a scenario here. Okay, so I'm planning on retiring next spring and have $1.2 million in my 401k. How old are you? And I have, I'm 55. And if you retire, uh, are you, when are you planning on taking Social Security? When do you think you'll need it, if ever? So I'm planning on waiting until 67. Okay. Um, the longer we wait, the better we are, usually. Um, in order to know for sure, you'd have to be able to tell me what day you're going to die. And most of us haven't figured that out yet. So, um, it's always a guess, but 
I plan on living a very long time. I focus on it. So I'm going to push my Social Security out till they make me take it. Um, 67, we we want to extend it. So um, have you run any calculations on how much you're going to get? So I, I, I actually don't really know as much about my Social Security, I guess. I, I have a pension and I have company stock and stuff, so I'm... I'm more so, into the numbers are real rather it. than the so government you, money. No, I get it. I'm glad. I just, I'd like to throw everything in so we know what we're dealing with. So you mentioned a 401k and a pension and company stock? Correct. Correct. Okay. So let's go through those numbers then. 1.2 in the 401k. Uh, how much in company stock? A little over 800000 Whoa. Oh. What company is this? A window company. Okay. Um, here's my first piece of advice. Sell all 800000 of it, put it in the S&P 500 index fund. Why is that, Kevin? I wouldn't want to have that kind of risk exposure on one company ever, and I certainly wouldn't want to have it in an economy like this. But my problem is, is after the Great Recession, they change the rules, and I, I can take a disbursement, but it takes five years to get the money out there, and I'm going to start that next year. Okay, good. And and get that money out of there as aggressively as they will let you. Take every penny you can take every time they'll let you take it. You, you have way too much risk exposure on that money. Now, the good news is you've got other money, you know, but companies have gone bankrupt. When they do, your 800000 could be worth zero. It's happened before. Enron was a big one. People had all kinds of money wrapped up in company stock in their profit sharing and, and retirement accounts, and they got slaughtered. That's just way too much risk. So just start moving that out as aggressively as they will let you. I, I, at this point in your life, I wouldn't want any stock at all. No individual stocks. So move it into an S&P 500. Move it into a, a money market as savings. I, I'd feel much better about that right now even. So um, so we're at about $2 million total here. What, um, what's your pension payout? When can you start collecting that? My pension is $1,919, and I start that the day I retire on April Fool's Day next year. Nice. Nice. You have re- Congratulations. You have really set yourself Thank up you. well. Yeah, you really have. It, it took a lot of discipline and sacrifice, and you did. It, what you've done is what almost every American should be able to do. We live in the most prosperous country in the world, and 90% of the people that work their whole life never prepare for retirement, and and you have. And congratulations. I love when I see that. Uh, I, Thanks a lot, Kevin. I, I'm not sure how you can go wrong here, Um You've put yourself in such a good position. Even if we make a couple of mistakes, it's not that big of a deal. So the good news is we have plenty of resources so I, here. Just, I have one more thing. Sure. So when I was younger, I got into rental properties too. So I have two houses and a duplex I rent out oh, nice. also. So you've got, you've got cash then, flow. I'm, I'm assuming they're all cash flow positive. Yes. Okay. So we've got cash flow and those are also assets. At any point, you can decide to sell one yes. of those or all of them or whatever. So again, uh, you've set yourself up really well. Uh, I'm, is there anything I can answer for you specifically? So what, what my question is, is on how much can I take out and live comfortably 
and still have money left when I check out. How if you have, have enough money until I check out? What is your annual budget right now? What does it cost you to live your current lifestyle, roughly a year? So I'm right now. I'm I'm raising a family of six on like around fifty thousand dollars net. Holy cow! So you would almost be able to continue your current lifestyle with social security and your pension, which means that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are pretty close and I know you got to wait, you know, you're going to be waiting for the social security. So we can't count on that right now, but looking forward, um, you would just about be able to continue your current lifestyle without touching the cash flow from the rentals or any of the assets, and you've got about $2 million to play with. Uh, you could, if you wanted to, you could live a seventy-five dollars to $100,000 lifestyle and never worry about running out of money. That sounds pretty nice. So if, if all you want to do is continue, and you said you're raising six kids on that, at some point, well, they start four, dropping off four too. Four kids. Four, okay. Six Four people, kids. got it, right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at some point, that those expenses start going away. So I, I yeah. really, I, I mean, you're, you're set. I mean, you could actually improve your lifestyle in retirement if you chose to. That'd be novel thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're, you're you can take out, you know, enough to, to certainly pay your bills and live your current lifestyle right now. And we have a long, long way to go. And the, the pensions there, the cash flow from the rentals are there. At some point, the social security is going to be there. I just, unless you just got really, really stupid and started spending $200,000 a year, I, I just don't see that there's any issue here at all. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you, Kevin. It's nice to have all these options, isn't it? It is. Congratulations. That's what happens when you do the hard work. Okay. Yep. Save save until you hurt. That's my model. (laughs) I love that. I I actually use that phrase, too. You, You have to give till it hurts when it comes to retirement. But when you do, this is what you end up with. You know, this is Dave Ramsey's phrase. You have to live like no other now. So you can, I always screw this up. I don't know why I can't remember it. I know the concept. You live like nobody else does now during your earning years, meaning you don't spend all your money. You save, you invest, and then you get to live like nobody else lives because you have the resources and you have uh, unlimited decision-making really. Um, It's a shame more people don't do it. Let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind um, today? Well, the auto operator group that wants their grievances and everything aired or, you know, so they can sit down. Yeah. The government will create a safe space for them. They'll be fine. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the other topics I had, um, uh, here's some headlines. Convoy reduces freight fraud by 90% across its network. Um, DAT has reported that they've been closing fraudulent accounts. Truckstop.com, I think, has closed over 10,000 fraudulent accounts. So when it comes to this issue of freight fraud, double brokering, freight theft through the load boards, the free market is responding 
and we already have solutions that are working right now today. Um, Convoy claims they've reduced it by 90 percent. That's huge. So where's the government on this issue? I think they had a bunch of meetings at one point, and then they did some data gathering, and I'll, now they're going to do some more data gathering. Have to do a survey. They're going to right. They're yeah. they're they have a comment period open in now. Ten years and, time, though. Yeah, and in ten years time, they'll say the information's out of date. We need to do another survey. Exactly. We've heard it, that before. This is yeah. this is such a great example of why we need to stop going to the government for solutions. Let's think of something else. Can, can you imagine this this grievance process they're asking for? Yeah, I don't I don't claim to be the smartest guy around, but I think the average IQ went up when I arrived in this country. So no doubt, saying. no doubt, and yeah. you you helped but, shift the balance. The problem, biggest problem with this country is our damn entitlement mentality. We think just because and we live worse. here, we, we everything should be fine, and we should never have to work hard or have any problems. And we should make a profit. Yeah, if we go into business. Yeah, but th- this yeah. this entire grievance so, process, my head wants to explode when I think <laughs> about this. How ridiculous the idea yeah. is! But then let's put something else in here. When when we complain about the government and all its spending, and we're at like thirty some trillion dollars in debt. How do we think we could ever afford any kind of a process like this? Because the only way this can be enforced is through government. And that means government has to spend more money. We have no money left to spend. More, we have to stop this insanity. Yeah, more, more of our money. Correct. Yeah, it's all more ours. More of our money that was spent. It, right. Yeah. We're 31 trillion so, behind. When do we finally start looking so, at this and saying, we have to stop asking the government the to fix stuff? Yes, turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, put down the shovel. Stop digging the hole. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and they want they want to gross $500,000 a year. Yeah. The company yeah. I'm leased to, which is an auto transport company, and it's all we do. There was two guys last year that grossed over a half a million. I don't know how much they netted. But, yeah, well, yeah, uh, let's make some comparisons, yeah, though. But, because I want people to understand, so car hauling, very different than reefer. Rates are very different, so the number should be higher. But, yeah. oh, I just drew a total blank on the point I was about to make. It was a good one, too. Uh, well, he bought it. Oh, he no, I know. Guy. Hold I know, on. I know, I know how, him personally. How many miles did those guys run? I don't know, but one so, guy, he, he's a 38, he's a he runs like a crazy man. And he's very efficient at what that's he does, my like point. loading and unloading. So Matt, yeah, Matt did over five hundred thousand last 30, year. Yeah, well, this guy's a thirty-eight hundred mile a week. You that's, know that, sort that of was miles. that was my point. We know Matt broke that number, yeah. single truck, single driver, but he did it on uh, like a yeah. hundred and sixty some thousand miles. Kudos to working yeah. hard, and, but the the calculation I'm using for these guys is run 110,000 miles and you, it, it, with their numbers, you become one of the highest paid people in our country. Yeah. Well, and this guy, he probably, he probably spent 130 grand in fuel. So yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, I, I just, um, you know, I see these groups and, and I always have hope we need a good, and we could use more good owner operator associations and groups, companies like Nastic, 
really excited yeah. about our partnership. Oh. I, I, I tried to start an association once. I failed at it. So I, I don't want oh. to say you shouldn't do this, but man, you got to do it right. And nobody will take this group seriously. Nobody that understands business wanna, could possibly look at this group and take them seriously. I wonder how Elida feel about them. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, they the, one of the officers just this morning tweeted, I have not been interacting at all. I've just been watching and reading. One of them tweeted that Elida is really worried because their numbers keep dropping and they're all coming over to their group. That's what they actually tweeted. They believe that they're pulling people away from OIDA. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a OIDA member, but I'm not. I'm probably not. I have some insurance with them, but most of the stuff they do, I disagree with it. I'm yeah. on the total yeah. other, like the some of the silly shit they talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But the economy. Yeah. So I took a load of a full load of Jeep Renegades to a dealer out in Odessa, Texas on the weekend. I get there on Saturday. Um, I think I've been to this dealer before, but a long time ago. And, um, boy, it sucked going out there. The traffic on Saturday was terrible. At three minutes of drive time left when I pulled up in the center turn lane outside the dealership. And uh, I go inside. What do you want me to put these? How many you got? I said, 10 Renegades. You got 10 Renegades? Yeah, they're all for you. I said, you can run a special. <laughs> pay full sticker for a pay full sticker price for a Ram pickup truck, and you get a renegade for a dollar. He says, "Yeah, that ain't going to work either." So. Yeah. Um, so he's like, he's like, uh, you can take him to the Toyota dealer, and I said, "Well, where's the Toyota dealer?" I said, "I don't." Got, he said, "Oh, it's just down the road." And I said, "Give me a clue." I said, "I don't come to Odessa." I said, "I have no idea where the Toyota dealer." And then the other guy chimes in. And he says, "It's after seven o'clock. They'll have the gate shut." And apparently they got a yard full of uh, Ram pickup trucks parked in behind the Toyota dealer as well. So uh, this dealer was loaded up on inventory, but I guess people out in the oil patch, they're not spending their money not on cars anyway. I think a lot of people are starting to um, really pull back on spending. And the funny thing is, um, just as we're pulling back on spending, I'm seeing automakers release all kinds of crazy high-end expensive vehicles. Yeah, well, if the UAW, if if they get their wish later this week, I think it's the 14th, if they get their wish to stop them going on strike, the price of your GM, Ford, or Chrysler product is going to go up. Because Speaking of which, what what's going to happen if they do go on that, strike? Uh, that's going to be big. The the brown stuff will hit the fan, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that, that's going to be big if they go on strike. And you're right, I think it's uh, Thursday. Yeah. Well, the stuff I'm doing, like they just unloaded a boat, I think, I think it's two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, which had over a 1,000 vehicles on it. So I've still got plenty to choose from down there in Freeport, Texas. So I'll still be busy. But um, it could affect, because the UAW, they're only in the northern part of the country. They don't, the southerners told them to piss off. None of the southern auto assembly stuff is UAW. Ah. So it won't. It won't, I was going to say it won't really affect me, but if the people up north run out of work, they'd probably come south for something to do. So it might affect me a little bit. Wait and see, but yeah. Interesting. Well, it's going to affect the uh, the economy and the supply chain, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, because if they stop building cars, yeah, all that 
just in time freight that a lot of those van haulers and that do, it won't be there. No, nope. so, but they might reach meet an agreement. So yeah, we're watch we're the space is what they say. <clears throat> we're in such a weird economy right now. Some sort of a strike like that could really create a lot of havoc. Yeah, so we shall see. All right. So I'll wave at Morgan as I go past her later today since she moved over to Texas. There you go. That's right. All right. Good talking okay. to you. Let's uh, go to Mass. AJ, welcome. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Good. We're looking at an oil sample. Yeah, I just want to take a quick look. I've changed this oil um, see for the sole reason that there. it was 11 on the silicon. Okay, so this is engine's... five to nine, a couple of oil samples ago when I. This engine's got overhead. over 900,000, and the oil had 122,000 on it. Sound about right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I had no OPS on there. That's just uh, Detroit's oh, got it. Okay. Um, own filtration system. So. Well, then you got your money's worth out of this oil, and it was time to change it. Um, I just want to make concerned. sure there's nothing I want to pay attention well, to. Well, I'm a little concerned with the wear metals. I would not push your oil out this far unless you get an OPS. And I don't... I, you more than got your use out of this. I think we pushed it a little too far. Um, we, you, your wear metals are up there. Uh, okay. The That's silicon is partially to blame. We're, you know, we certainly went over 11 or over 10. We're at 11. Not a big deal. Um, the good news is, I will tell you, the engine's performing really well. It's, it's tuned well. Yeah, it's it's running uh, well. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I do have another concern here. You're just using a straight 1540 conventional oil, right? Uh, the T3, T4. T4, not T3, T4. thinking of thyroid now. Um, yep. Can't mix up my thyroid. <laughs> yeah, can't mix yeah, up just- thyroid and oil samples. Boy, we'll get some goofy answers then. Um, so T4, straight, you know, 1540. Your viscosity has just been climbing the whole time, but I don't see why. I mean, you started at 14.3, and that's just about perfect for that oil. You ended up at 17.4. It went up every time, but I don't really see why it's going up. That's weird. I mean, there's no coolant. Coolant can do it. There's no soot. Soot could do it. It's got nothing. Uh, Is it anything to do with adding base? Are you using maybe? I don't... Maybe if you added it, yeah, but your base isn't that high. You're back up to five. That's not that high. Yeah. Um, hmm. Not sure what's going on here. Are you using any kind of additives in the oil? In the oil, no. Just adding that uh, Hot Shot Secret TBN booster. Yeah, which is fine. Uh, yeah, let's just keep an eye on this the next time. That's odd that the viscosity kept climbing like that. I'm glad you changed it. It was time to change okay. it. I, I wouldn't push this past maybe without without an OPS. I wouldn't go past 75,000, I don't think. Okay, which probably makes sense. With the, that's what the manufacturers it, recommend right about there. So. Yeah, and that that's going to be about right. All right. Sounds good. I keep sampling, so uh, if I see that viscosity number change, I'll call. Send it in. Yeah. Call back. Yeah, let's keep an eye on it. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Virginia. Steve, welcome to the program. Live like no one else today, so one day you can live 
like no one else. I don't know why I have such a hard time remembering that. I always get the concept. I just can't ever remember the wording. Right. Just you just have to you have to put the emphasis on that second. Yeah. Live. Live. (laughs) Yeah. Now you get to live. Uh, That's right. uh, But you know. But you know, ask me how I'm feeling. Better than I deserve. You know. That's right. (laughs) We know Dave. Yeah. So. uh, yeah, so uh, get uh, you know, it's wonderful what your what your window deliverer there has done. Uh, I think it's fantastic what he's done. Uh, but there's one pitfall he really needs to know about. He's only fifty five years old. He can't take any of that four hundred one k money out till he's fifty nine. Oh and yeah, half. that's and right. And he takes out. He'll pay taxes on you know plus a ten percent penalty. There, uh, but, there is yeah, a ahead. way. I wouldn't want him to use it, but there is a way to amortize it. But you kind of lose control over your withdrawals after that. So I yeah, oh, he can buy an buy an annuity and and, yeah, uh, and, and he, at some point in his life he may need an annuity. But uh, it sounds he, like he's going to have a uh, a pension also. He may um, be, well but, be one of the people um, that if you bought the proper annuity, it, it might even make sense. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Single premium annuity, and, yep. and and if he's very, very good health and doesn't take the vaccine, so he dies suddenly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I have but for somebody like him, uh, I've got a guy for him. Uh, it, uh, he needs a fee only uh, planner is what he needs anyhow. But I've got the guy that he helps more people than anybody I've ever seen in the country to 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 be able to retire at a young age. Uh, he would have him retired by six. 55 to 62, anytime, anywhere in that range, because uh, he, he's the only planner, but he is, uh, he's adamant that people do work too long uh, on, on, on average. Uh, they do work too, too long, and you know, then they're not able to enjoy their retirement. And he says hey. anybody that is in the kind of shape that this guy is, uh, he would be able to do it. Go, go ahead, and I'll give you the guy's no, name I, so he can he can check him out. He's he's, he's prolific on YouTube, but I, I use him as a uh, as a fee only planner myself, even though I'm not retiring him. Right. Um, well, that, that's what I was about <laughs> I to just say. Love the guy. He's, it's right. His his thought process doesn't take into account people like you and I that don't really want right, to. Right. Do the traditional retirement oh, where, yeah. oh, where we oh, work and yeah, then we, even, right, right. you know, even, I, I always wonder what this must feel like, and I, I will probably never experience it. I, I wonder what it's like to say, I, I just saw somebody the other day, a truck driver who this was his last load. When he finishes this load, he gets home, he empties out the truck and he goes home and he has no job. He's retiring. I can't imagine what that day would feel like. And I, I'll probably well, I never experience like, it. like that die within a year. I know. Yeah, I, I know, see too right. many like that that they have no purpose and they and they just they go downhill quickly. Um, I don't. I'm not planning on doing that. I want to get behind the, from behind the wheel one day. Uh, that 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 I'm looking to do. But I'll stay busy all my life. Uh, you know, right up to the end. Um, but I do want to be financially. I'm financially secure now. But I want to be financially secure enough to travel, do things yeah. I want to do. Uh, but getting getting back to the gentleman there, a couple of things. Um, you know, he uh, uh, he did say he had some rental property. He may very well. I think. I mean, if he, uh, the, I'm gonna put it out there. Uh, let me put out there the the fee only planner. He's fantastic. He's uh, uh, he, uh, Heritage Wealth Planning is his YouTube channel. It is Josh Scanlon. S C A N D L A N. I've seen prolific. his stuff. 
Oh, Josh is fantastic. Yep, and really I, uh, good. I've used him before. Yeah, really um, good stuff. He's a great, great guy. He's the only, the only, and he does specialize in the people that want to be able to retire younger. And he will go through everything with the gentleman. Uh, it's around, it's probably a thousand bucks, you know, thereabouts. It, it may be a little higher now, you know, the, that's been two or three years, but uh, it may be a little higher now. But that's, you know, he's not going to be taking money out of your out of your nut every year that you know right. out of that out of that two million dollars he's not going to take one percent like a lot of them want to take out here and I, you know and so um so you know it's a it's a fee only and he and he will show he will show you how to retire and especially somebody that lives frugally like the like the yep. you know, family of six does. right um they live very frugally on fifty thousand dollars i can i can tell you uh, which is great, and and so I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say that that he's done such a fantastic job with his money. He's got a four hundred one k. He's got a pension. He's got income producing properties, uh, and he lives so frugally that he has every option just about in retirement. I, he's one of the few people that if he actually chose he to, he could improve his lifestyle in retirement. I'm sure he won't. Most people that... Oh, he will. Well, yeah, he it, will by a long shot. Right. right. But this guy is perfect for him. It's worth it to pay somebody oh, yeah. because yeah. he has so many options. Really, I wasn't even about to try to address him on the air. Because I would want to see everything. I would yeah. want hard yeah. numbers. I would want time to think about it. I would want to see where he lives. And so a, a, to go, and honestly, he's only going to need to do it one time. He goes and pays one time. This guy could set oh, him yeah. up for yeah, a plan he, that yeah. he probably wouldn't have to adjust much at all. Oh, he would be able to, he would be able to set him up and, and, and then uh, know what, like you said, you know, he's, he's, he's going, first thing he's going to do, just like you said, as you as you can get the money out of the uh, out of the Ooh, stock profit sharing stock, that scared uh, move me. it, move it, diversify it, right, and 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 get that move. You know, it sounds like he's probably with. Uh, I can I can think of the one I, he's probably now. That being said, like we talked about the other day, um, age fifty five. If he started working when he was eighteen to twenty, he's probably got thirty five good earning years. So he his. He's not going to improve by working a lot longer right. his Social Security at age 67 a lot more than it is now. So he's in he's in the catbird seat there also because he you know people that start working and making good money when they're young like we talked about the multipliers on that average wage index help a lot. So he's going to be uh, he's going to have you know I mean in today's dollars he would probably be in that twenty five hundred dollars a month range at sixty seven right now. But you got 10, 12 more years of inflation, so he'd be he'll be at you know thirty five hundred at that point, and you know he'd be forty five hundred or five thousand if he waited till seventy. He doesn't need to. No. Uh, now no. Josh would maybe Josh would show him what he could do at sixty two, right? What he could do at sixty seven, and everything in between. Also, because this gentleman really doesn't need to work now. He needs to have a purpose. That that's what would kill me. I couldn't I couldn't go at fifty five and not not hit a leg. Um, yeah, I spent, I spent the week last week at our condo at the beach and I was there with all these folks that are retired and they're happy retired, but you know, they're happy just going to going, you know, fishing every day. And you know, that's just not me. You, you <laughs> and, know, uh, th this property that we just bought, I, I'm looking at it for a lot of things. I think even in this goofy market, it's a good investment. I, I think we got a bargain on this property because it's so unique. 
I'm yeah, looking at yeah. it because the world sucks these days. Um, and I, there's just a lot of advantages to this property. And, and then, but the, the biggest reason that I really want this property is the lifestyle itself. It will keep me active. It will give me lots of options oh, yeah. on things yeah. I could do to stay active. Uh, cause I, I don't want to retire and think I'm going to go wing foiling every day. It, it's just, we all think that, oh my God, we'd have all this time. We can go do whatever you start realizing how much time there is to fill in a day. If you're not working, you need some sort of a purpose. I know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You do. You definitely do. I, well, I could see you, your, your semi-retirement could be a very, very nice bed and breakfast that has a week long, uh, health, Absolutely. uh, health, yeah. health focus for whoever stays there. You cook their food, you show them everything and you make a lot of money doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm renting a, I'm renting a condo at the beach for better than four grand a week during the summer right. month per week. And, and I'm not providing anything, but a very nice place right over the water. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, you would be providing a lot more value and a lot of the people, a lot of people in the tribe would go, would love to go learn a week from you, like that. And if you had a bed and breakfast, and you had not, no more than you know four to six bedrooms, you know where you had four to six couples or whatever, right? You know, I could see you doing that and still making a lot of money and enjoying a retirement because that would be right down your alley. You'd have them out there showing them gardening things. You, I mean, I'll, I could see. I can see a big vision for you in that, uh, and, and help everything else. You and, know, so and this uh, property know, is that would that would perfect work. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we would come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we would come, and you you would have so many from the tribe here, and you know, that li- listeners that would come. Uh, well, you, you know, know just here's to, just to be able to. Just to be able to get your spouse on board with everything. That, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I'm really looking at is I love growing things and playing around with food. And I, I'm looking at this property and thinking, um, we're just going to build at some point fairly quickly, I think. Uh, we're going to build a commercial kitchen. And with a commercial kitchen, I could oh, yeah. be producing products that we could sell in our store and I, I may never take it past that. I think our tribe is enough to, to support right. me creating a product. Uh, and I want it to be really unique. Like I talked about the hot honey. I'm going to grow everything that goes in that hot honey. And as much as I can grow will be a batch. And when the batch is gone, you got to wait till next year. So you could be the 21st century uh, Mr. Kellogg who had his spa up in Michigan right. and had everybody coming. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're not going to give we're them gonna all do the it coffee, right. like 10 coffee animals. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we're going to do it right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to tell anybody right, but, that uh, masturbation makes you that. blind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've read, I've read a few books on that guy. It was I know. He was, a, he was a nut job. Uh, but. But yeah, it, yeah. But Josh Scanlon, Heritage, uh, yeah, Heritage Wealth Planning. His, his um, is good I mean, stuff. He's got hundreds and hundreds of YouTubes. It's good stuff. He's got a, and he's and he's excellent at, at sharing spreadsheets and showing you what if hey. on, on his YouTubes. I mean, there's so many hey, Steve, things about him. This hey, good. Here's uh, a number you'd, you'd yeah. be interested in. Um, man, I have a hard time with this, but uh, the average monthly payment for new vehicles finance just hit another all-time high, $738. That's the average vehicle oh, being I, financed right now. 
the average. Uh, they'll never get that from me. I mean, I'm oh. gonna pay cash for it. I, I buy one two or three years old, Ooh. and I and and I pay cash for them. Yeah. And then I drive them. I drive them forever. I mean, I, you know, I just don't. I don't see. I don't see paying for depreciation that quick. Depreciation. Learned that from Clark Howard years ago. You know, Clark. You know, has personal finance on the radio for years. Learned that from him before Dave Ramsey was on. You know, so Clark. You never do that. Clark actually. Clark actually ran the numbers. If you buy a new car every four years, and then somebody else buys a car, a, a used car, three years old, and drives it for ten years, the difference in the in the uh, in in your lifetime is over a million dollars difference. Yes, it, it's a Pe- million dollars. I could save more than that person. People could retire on that one strategy alone. That's it. Yeah. That's insane yep. to and, think uh, that. And I sent my yeah. Right. I sent my daughter up to college back in 2000 with, uh, with, with, with that book, with Dave Ramsey's book, with The Millionaire Next Door. You remember that book? Oh, yeah. And yep. she and her husband, they actually lived, they, they lived, they lived that lifestyle. Now, now he's, he's an excellent developer now, but they lived that lifestyle. They, they, they're, they are multimillionaires and they, they still buy their cars three and four years old. They buy, uh, buy nice ones. They buy Range Rovers. They buy oh, right. Escalades. Right. But they buy them. Yeah. They buy them. They'll buy their cars that way. They buy their, they buy, you know, boat. They, they bought a boat recently, but they bought it three or four years old. They don't need to pay a brand new boat. They, <laughs> but, you know, but I, they're able to do that kind of thing because they learned it uh, along the way. We need to teach education to kids about financial we, education when they're young. We absolutely do because retiring wealthy is not difficult in this country. I made all kinds of mistakes early on. I think about this. I remember like buying my first vehicle you know, when I got out of the army and I bought a truck and I'm an owner operator and I got to go buy a new vehicle. I did not buy brand new, but I remember buying a, a minivan and I remember like sweating over the financing. I didn't have enough money down. I, I, and I stretched, I spent way too much money when I didn't have any at all. And I think about that now, how backwards now I could go buy any vehicle they sell for cash. And I don't, I'm still driving an 07 FJ yeah. Cruiser because I like it. But why would I want anything other than that? And yeah, yeah, we have the Range Rover, no. but that's five years old now, and I can't see ever getting rid of that thing. That thing will probably last me the rest of my life. Yeah. So I, it, it's so backwards yeah. when we're young and we don't have the money is when we're so bad at spending too much of it. And now I look back and think, why did I think I needed that vehicle? I could have bought a three or four year old vehicle for a third of that price. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but like I say, that's the people, people do need to educate their kids if possible. Uh, and they need to educate themselves in, in the first. Schools. I mean, well, that's right. That's part of the problem. The right. baby boomers have always wanted everything right now. Yep. And we don't. <laughs> we, you know, we saved, we saved hard and we put a ton down to buy the, the, the condo that we bought uh, several months ago. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, interest rates are a whole lot higher than I wanted to pay. But oh. now they're, they're one and a half percent higher right now than I they know. were, you know, five months ago. Yes. So, so, uh, so we got in at the right time. And then at some point, there will be some change that will bring us back down in that five, five and a half percent. I'll rebuy and save eight 
eight hundred a yeah. month on the payment. But there uh, go. but there again, I've got it paying for itself too, so that's uh, that works also. So, All right, but Good. we appreciate you as usual. Good stuff. Great advice on the. Uh the videos. Go check that guy out. That is really good uh, financial planning info. And all the videos are free as far as I know. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Let's go to Texas this time. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you. What's on your mind today? I've been to you forever. But well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you about your the property you just bought. Yeah. Because I did something similar. My, I'm only a year older than you, but uh, I bought 25 acres and or 24 acres and started a farm about eight years ago. Oh, there you go. Um, Good for you. Yeah. But, uh, but one thing I was going to mention, you, you said you wanted a rooster. Yeah. Unless you're planning on fertilizing the eggs and hatching them, you don't need a rooster. You know, uh, I, the, the we, chicken, the chickens will lay eggs. If you're just after no, eggs, well, they'll lay eggs. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I, I'm going by what the owner of the property says because uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with chickens. I don't care if the eggs are fertilized or not. It wouldn't. I, I wouldn't mind actually hatching some. I mean, that might be fun. Um, wouldn't matter either way. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing he's these chickens are really kind of wild. I mean, once they come out of their coop, they have free reign out into the woods. They can go wherever they want. Right. And he's just saying they don't do well without a rooster. And the rooster got eaten by the coyote. Um, It's kind of a wild environment. We have panthers. We have coyotes. There's bear. Um, We're in the national forest, and there really aren't any people. There are just a lot of animals. So the owner is just saying that the chickens always do better when they have a rooster. Okay. And Another the, thing and you the might eggs check into fertilized because I asked that too. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I have a rooster around, all the eggs are going to get fertilized. And he's like, yeah, it's no big deal. You eat them anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't make any difference. Um, yeah, as plus, long as you get them soon plus, enough. Believe it know? or not, I, uh, I'm actually looking forward to a rooster waking me up at sunrise. Right, right. They will do that. Yeah, I'm like as soon as a I, little peep of light comes through, they start well, doing their thing. That, that's when I like to wake up. I used to wake up at that time every day without an alarm clock, and with all the sleep and my schedule, that's changed. I don't wake up early anymore, and I don't want to use an alarm clock. I think I know it was right. kind of going to be like an alarm clock, but I don't know. It just feels more natural to me. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Right. I'll tell you another thing. If you never own chicken, they are pretty nasty animals. <laughs> Not they will eat each other. If one gets sick, the the, the other one will, other ones will eat it. Uh, it's, they're kind of crazy. I've heard um, that. Yeah. But uh, uh, um, what we like better is ducks. I was thinking they're, about they're ducks. They're better grazers. Yeah. Yeah. The eggs are better. I do love yeah, duck eggs. Yeah, and they're eggs. way easier to live with. Actually, they uh, they lay eggs more consistently than chickens do. No. A lot of people think chickens will will lay an egg every day. Not necessarily. I, you know, sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't, and then they all tend to molt at the same time. <laughs> so you're going to end up, you know, a month, six weeks with, without no eggs. Right. Whereas ducks. They they don't they don't go by the hours of daylight to molt. Okay. They they go by their age. Got so it. if you have them different ages, they'll they'll okay. molt at different times. I might add some. So ducks. you you always have eggs. I, yeah. After I get used to the chickens, I might add some ducks. I have a friend, a good friend, who has ducks, yeah. and I, he's in a neighborhood. 
and he's got ducks and they do lay a lot of eggs right. and I love duck eggs. So yeah, I might, uh, we might have to branch out into some ducks. I also want to look at, right. you know, weird stuff like guinea fowl. Yeah, I don't care for guineas too much. I guess they're good with snakes, but uh, we don't have any they're snakes noisy, to worry man. about. Well, I, so I have heard they're really yeah, noisy. So are yeah. chickens, but yeah, I've heard the guinea fowl are really. Yeah. I was looking at this place. You know, we were kind of looking around. Where do you buy a rooster? And we found this place, and you can buy all kinds of birds. You can buy peacocks. You can buy pheasant. Oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the ducks that we got are called Golden Three Hundred, I believe. And they're bred to lay eggs. Huh. So, yeah, they, they worked real good. Of course, the, the problem with anything like that is all the predators, everything likes chicken and everything oh, likes duck. Exactly. And so, we are, that's what I mean. We are. So keeping them alive is a real pain. I, I'm, yeah, it's I'm, hard to do. I'm trying to prepare Lisa because I know she's going to get attached to these chickens. I think she already started to. She's tr- learning their names. And I said, Lisa, you got to know, we're going to lose chickens. Don't get too attached to these. And it's yeah. hard. I mean, we both love animals. and But I, I'm trying to tell her, we're going to lose chickens. We have so many predators yep. out there. It's, there's just no way around it. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's hard to deal with, especially with birds like that, because, you know, and especially if you got them, you know, roaming around free. They're, they're, yeah, they're not going to last long. Yeah, the, you yeah. know, the, uh, the coop opens and closes itself on, it's all yeah, automated. Sure, so sure. One, once yeah. they're out, they're out. I mean, their coop does, is not inside uh, of any kind of a yeah. pen area. Once they're out, they're just out. They're out. They spend most of their right, time in right. the woods. They hang out right at the edge yeah, of the no, tree line. Yeah, they out of the woods. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, I mean, usually it's at night that the predators get them, but I've, I've had them hawks come down to get my ducks in the middle of middle of the day. Yeah, I've, yep. I've only yep. seen one fox here since we've been here, but I have to believe where we're going to, there's probably going to be a lot more. Yeah. Now I would say an ox. You know the bird the hawk. Oh, hawks! Yeah, we have we have plenty of that. We yeah. have lots of predator birds. We have osprey. We have tons of hawks. We have yeah. eagles. We all, have, all of them love chicken. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, we also have something, and I I haven't seen the yet, but the owner was telling me about it. Night hawks, and he says that they actually hunt bugs the way bats do. They use sonar. And he oh. says you, you can watch wow. these night That's hawks. Cool. They'll, they'll be circling way oh. up high. You'll hear them send out this little chirp like their sonar, and they'll pause. And he said, then you'll just watch them. They drop like a rock. And then when they get to the bug, they, their wings go out. And he said the wingtips, the feathers on their wingtips, almost break the speed of sound. And he said, you, this noise wow. that it makes is just bizarre. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. But he says they sit out there at night. Yeah, and, I'll tell you one. Of the, just watch them. Right. Yeah, one of the things that we did get early on is uh, A2A2 milk cows. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. So we, and we raise our own beef and have our own dairy. And uh, maybe That's I only awesome. have three, three milk cows, but, yeah. but it, you know, I make my own cheese. And yeah. On six acres, I don't think I want to do cows. Um, I thought about... Yeah, no, that's a little bit small. For meat, I thought about doing something like emus or ostrich. I've eaten emu meat. It, it, you yeah. could swear it was beef. 
is shocking. Well, you know, if, if how you much have access like to all beef. that forest, yeah, if you have access to all that uh, forest, you might be considered pigs. It what? Access to about a million acres of forest. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and the, the pigs will find all kinds of stuff to eat back in there. They'll let you range them in there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that anybody would. If I could keep a, there's a couple other properties around. I'd have to make sure they didn't wander onto there. You know, I'm thinking if anything along those lines, maybe some goats for milk because I like goats and they're easy. And then as far as meat goes, I mean, if it comes right down to it, I'd just rather go shoot an elk or two a year or an elk and a deer and a turkey or two. I mean, I've got so much wildlife out there. Why bother raising it when I can let the forest raise it for me? Yeah, yeah, good point. Good and they point. can't yeah. get any better meat than that. I mean, that's as natural as we're going to get. Right. Yeah, because like we've been in a drought for the last two summers, and I mean, it looks like West Texas over here. It's just everything yeah. is dead. The, you know, all the grass. The beauty and, of this yeah, area, it's tough, man. The, the the beauty of this area is we have crazy water tables. I mean, we're on a well. We've got creeks and rivers, and we have more water than we know what to do with. And the whole trick to gardening around here, we have beautiful summer weather, mid eighties, low humidity, sunshine all day, every day. All we need is water. The more you water stuff around here, right. the more it grows. And being on a well with all that water at no cost um, is a huge advantage. Right. Yeah. I'm on a well, too, and I irrigate. I irrigate, like, when we're in a drought like this, I irrigate about four acres just so that the cows have something to eat. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tim, great stuff. Appreciate the advice. I'm, uh, I'm a newbie at this. Um but I'm kind of excited about it. Let's go to Michigan. Michael, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Well, before I get to my question, I would like to let you know about roosters that I would also like them to wake me up in the morning, but I call them alert roosters. They tend to make that noise throughout the day. (laughs) So it's a constant thing, huh? It is. And they're really good with the hens, telling them when there's a big bird in the sky. Oh, so okay. they all take cover underneath trees. I think that's what the owner is so saying, my, that they just don't do well without having a rooster there. I would agree. So my question for you today is, I want your opinion on the best way of moving retirement money to the S&P 500. I'm a 32-year-old. I have a 401k with my current employer. I have a Roth IRA. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. And boy, do you have time. Time is on your side. Yes. Yep. So the, the, you know, I, I, when I used to do, you know, direct financial planning with people, I used to tell them, I can show you everything. The one thing I can't change is time. And it's the single most important thing when it comes to investing. If you start early enough, it's really easy. You can make all kinds of mistakes and it's not a big deal and you're going to be fine. The people that wait till their 40s or 50s, it's the opposite. You can do everything perfect at that point and still not have enough money. Yes, I've heard stories and I know some people that actually 
have done that. Yeah. So, so you've done the most important thing, which is you've started early. So now you want to start moving some money into the S and P 500. Where is that money currently? So my IRA and my Roth are at the same wealth management, let's okay. call it accounting person that I go through and I plan on speaking to them sometime this week just to go over numbers and I wanted your opinion if I should leave it there and tell them put more towards the S&P 500 or is there another way of myself taking care of this? Yeah, you can take care of this. So this sounds like it's actively managed is that these accounts are actively managed by this wealth management company, right? Yes. So they're giving you advice on your investments. Like if I go to a mutual fund company directly and I want to open an IRA, I can do that. You get no advice from them. I mean, they all they're going the only questions they're going to answer is about the account and administration. They don't give investment advice, but you're with somebody who is actively giving you advice on where this money should go, whether or not you should start to liquidate some of that and move it in or whether you should just make your new investment, the S and P I don't know. Cause I can't see what you've got. I mean, I, I don't know what their strategies are, what they have you invested in. Uh, here's the thing to remember the hedge funds. When we talk about hedge funds like BlackRock and you know, they've been in the news a lot lately. These are supposedly the best and brightest of all money managers. When you make it to the hedge fund level, we're talking billions of dollars now. And and these people earn incredible amounts of money to run these hedge funds. The, I just talked about this the other day. Uh, They did a long comparison over 10 years of hedge funds against the S and P 500. And I forget how many hedge funds they had, but there was quite a few. It was a pretty big group of them. Of all of these hedge funds who supposedly have the best money managers on the planet, only one of them beat the S&P 500. Only one. And these guys are bringing in the big bucks. They get paid more than just about anybody. And yet they're not even average when it comes to their investment advice. All the people paying them the big dollars to manage their money would have been better off if every penny they had was just in the S&P 500. So with a record like that, how can you ever argue that I should be paying somebody to manage my money? The only, where I see their advice comes in is not so much picking your individual investments. This kind of, these kinds of companies I think are better for like, you, if we use them right, and the last caller, where they're just there to look at the whole big picture and give you advice like, look, you know, if you stay on this track with this account, you're going to be able to take this much out at retirement. Uh, Honestly, if he would have had a full-time money manager, kind of the way you do, and they allowed him to end up with $800,000 in one company stock, they would have been fired in a heartbeat. So that's really where I would use money managers. It's just really to look at the big picture. But when you look at the record, I just don't know how we would want to pay somebody to make our decisions on like which mutual fund to be in because they don't do very well. They never have. 
Absolutely. So I think you can actually do a better job than they can of, of just. So I would be aggressive at moving that money into the S&P 500. No matter where they have it. I said I don't sure know where they have it, but honestly, it doesn't really matter. I, I doubt that they're any better at beating the S&P 500 than anybody else is. Yes. So with the 401k, should I advise them to put more towards S&P 500? I would. I mean, again, I'm not looking at the numbers, but I could see being as aggressive as taking half of what you already have and moving it into the S&P and then all new investment going into the S&P for a while. Thank you. All right, Kevin, that answers my question. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right, let's see what else we got today. Uh, We're going to go to New Hampshire. Derek, welcome. How are you doing there, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind today? I was uh, calling about your Easter and all that. If you go on McMurray Hatchery, you can uh, look it up, Google it. They'll send you a catalog. You can get any kind of chicken you want out of them. They mail them right to your post office and you pick them up. Um, Somebody told Lisa this the other day, and her response was, oh, hell no, I'm not. I, her response was, oh, hell no, I'm not having somebody send me a chicken through the mail. <laughs> <laughs> they all come and you buy them like in the, I don't know, you have to buy a certain amount of them, but they come in like a little cardboard box with holes in them. Really? And you just pick them up. And then the, That's wild. Yeah. I just, yeah. Actually, really, you can get all your, uh, everything you need for chickens on, yeah. out of that magazine. They have the feeders, the waterers. And, somebody else gave her and two, you want to go with the, two other hatcheries and said the same thing. You just go look and order them and they ship them to you. That's where we found out you could buy pheasants and guinea fowl and peacocks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. They've been doing that for like a hundred years or so. <laughs> I mean, Murray has this, and I think they're out around you somewhere. Oh, really? But, uh, okay. Yeah, you, you order them and I think like two days later you have them there at the house. That's crazy. And with uh, guinea hens, Guinea hens are awesome. The thing with the guinea hens, you got to buy them when they're chicks, and you want to keep them like in a containment area for a few weeks till they get big enough where they can go out on their own. That way, they always stay in the property. Okay. But they're the best guard dog that Aren't you can buy. Because really? if anybody strange, yeah, anybody strange comes on your property, you're going to know it because they are loud, uh, well, and you won't I, have one tick. You won't. You won't find a tick if you search for uh, search for one after you put guinea hens on your on your property. Really. They're the best Tick-eating machine that you'll ever find. Yep. Ah. One girl to do an acre, uh, an acre, acre of land. They'll take the ticks out. You got to oh. buy. You got to buy them in like five or six at a whack because they stay in pods. Okay. They're like the weirdest thing. Like so, when you grow them, when they hatch out, they'll be probably like eighteen. They, they uh, when they hatch, they hatch out a lot of them. But when they hatch, I like say out of eighteen birds, six of them must stay in one pod. Three might stay in another pod. And so, they, uh, they just roam around. They'll, they'll nest up in a tree at nighttime. Oh, I was just going to ask. Do, do I, snakes. Do I need a coop for these birds? Nope. No coop. Just, you know, all, all you and, need is in the beginning is a, like, something to keep them from, uh, you know, when they're small. So they know, like, where you're feeding them from. That's so easy. So they get big enough where they have their feathers. Yeah, we have, we have several. Both There's two gardens. Um, both of those are completely fenced in to keep the elk out, including electric fencing. That's how aggressive the elk are. So I, it, that'd be easy to keep contained yep. for a little while. Um, if I didn't need coop, that'd yep. be awesome. Is there any issue with trying to keep traditional chickens and guinea fowl on the property together? No, they're all ducks. They'll do fine. Ducks, okay. chickens, guineas, they all got to Everything will be fine. Well, I yeah, think I'm with gonna... the chickens, you want to go with a real dark color, like a black color, because the black 
uh, the predators don't see black chickens as good as they do the lighter colored ones. We, we've got nine right now, and there's a mix. You, there's everything from white all the way to black. We've got a little bit of everything right now. Yep. And if you get yourself some of those, uh, you know, the plastic gallon, uh, like the water jugs, like you see at the supermarket, they put the gallon of milk in. Yeah. If you can get a few of those, those make great nests. Huh. Okay. We, You know, we've got a nice, hot, really, them. really nice coop for the chickens now. I mean, the it's all hand, yeah, hand, hand built. It looks like a little cottage with cedar siding and automatic doors, okay, automatic yep. feeders. It's just really, the guy built it all by hand. It's a beautiful coop. Yeah, the automatic water thing's awesome. I, I bought that out of McMurray, but they have everything you need. They have uh, incubators in there. And I'm kind of... Anything uh, it has to do with uh, poultry is in the book. I think I'm going to have free. to get some guinea fowl. I, I like everything I'm hearing about them. Oh, I, they were the best. Uh, my wife didn't like them because they were noisy, but I'm telling you what, you know, anybody, anybody strange comes in your yard, you're going to know it. Yeah, <laughs> which is... They, they are, uh, they're very alert. Yeah. No, I, and the tick thing. You know, I worry about the ticks with diesel. Oh, yeah, you won't. Um, honestly, any, a, anymore, when you find out there are ticks that, you know, cause you to be allergic to meat, hell, I worry absolutely. about ticks myself yep. now. I, uh, well, in New Hampshire, we have a bad outbreak with them. It's killing the moose and everything. Yeah. So we were yeah. getting them left and right, the uh, dogs and everything. So I had let them out loose. And uh, my neighbor came over like two weeks later. He goes, hey, have you noticed we haven't had any ticks? Kind of weird. Because I've fallen ticks off my dog like every day. <laughs> like, yeah, I said, I let my guinea hens loose. He's like, what's a guinea hen? I, I said, it's kind of that ugly looking bird over there. I said, they're tick magnets. I don't so, know why, like, uh, the state doesn't let them loose, like, out in the, in the forest just to take care, you know, manage the tick problem. So is but that, they are they are awesome. They'll uh, actually jump out of the sky and take a hornet out of the sky. Really? They're so really good they, with insects. Is a yep. guinea fowl or a guinea hen similar to a Cornish hen? Yes, kind of. Okay. It's in, uh, kind of in between like a Cornish hen and uh, like a pheasant. It has like okay. a, almost has like a buzzard's head to it. And you can get them in different colors. They come in purple, white. Uh, All right. Looks like I'm going like, to be. I think five or six different colors they come in. Looks like I'm going to be shopping for guinea fowl now. And if, they, uh, if you get into it enough, because they do hatch out a lot, you can get six to seven dollars for a chick for those things. Huh. All right. Also, I don't know if you guys have tractor supplies out around here, but every Sunday, the last Sunday of every month, they do a poultry uh, swap. If you're looking for a rooster right away. Oh, really? And, uh, people bring in their poultry and sell. Yes. Yep. Huh. But uh, go get that magazine there from McMurray. Just go online and you can, they'll ship right to your house. And it takes like a week or two for you to get it. But they have every bird you can think of in there. Guinea hens, uh, pheasant. All right. Uh, you name it, it's in that book. Interesting. But, yeah, All right. you'll, you'll like the uh, guinea hens. They're, they're kind of fun to watch. I, I think I'm going to have to get some of those. Yep. Cool. Sounds Just good. Just to give you some info. And keep right. your, water, uh, your water is off the ground. It's better for the birds. It's, say that again? Keep your watering troughs. Yeah. If you have like an automatic watering or a bucket that you you want to keep them off the ground like six inches, that makes the bird digest better. And you also want to throw it some uh, calcium shells. That makes your eggs hot, uh, the shell for the egg hotter. Got it's it. good for the digestion. Perfect. All right. Good. Uh, I'm I'll, send make... my, I'll send you my phone number. Yeah, well, I'm also... I'll send you my phone number on the... Uh, on on Twitter or X or whatever it is now. So if you have any questions, you can call me. Perfect. I appreciate that. Um, boy, this show is more about me getting advice than giving advice. Kind of like that, though. Um, learning a lot quickly. All right. I think I'm going to wrap this up for today. Uh, we're right at the two-hour mark. Uh, I got lots to do. So uh, 
I think my days are going to be a little shorter. I might be taking some Mondays or Fridays off for uh, probably the foreseeable future. I may try to do some recorded time. If I can find time during the days I'm going to work, maybe I'll try to do a recorded call or a recorded show for the days I'm off. We'll see. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.